Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who was a former kickboxer who was an undefeated ISKA World Welterweight Champ and WKA World Super Welterweight Champion. He moved on to professional boxing where he held the WBO Junior Welterweight title in 2014, challenged for the WBO Welterweight title later that year. 26 days from now, he returns to the ring after a two-and-a-half-year layoff. His comeback bout is his hometown of Huntington at the Paramount, where his last successful title run began. It is a pleasure to welcome a fellow alum of New York Tech. You should be happy about that, Ryan. Uh, the former WBA, WBO champ, the pride of Huntington himself, Chris Algieri to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Chris. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you. You know, it's so interesting to see the foundation for you as a boxer being formed with some of the other disciplines you learned as a kid growing up. You begin your martial arts training in Chinese Kempo at the age of 10. You received your black sash by the age of 15, and you begin competing in amateur kickboxing at the age of 16. While in high school, you also started wrestling and eventually became captain of the St. Anthony's Varsity Squad, where you won two Catholic League titles and one Catholic State Championship, ultimately making to the semifinals of the Public State Tournament. What did those sports teach you that you could carry over to your boxing career? You know, uh, between martial arts and wrestling, you know, they're, they're, they're discipline-based sports. Um, they're also quite lonely. You know, you're, you're out there yourself, and you have to, you know, compete with one man against another. Uh, in front of a large crowd, so I think I have that that experience of of all the pressure being on myself. So uh, I think those those two sports, although they're very different than boxing, definitely helped me along the way. You know, we mentioned your amateur kickboxing. As an amateur, you won the U.S. KBA Northeast Championship. You turned professional, won the International Sports Karate Association welterweight and the World Kickboxing Association Super Welterweight Championship, compiling a 20-0 record as a world kickboxing champion before retiring to become a professional boxer. You trace your love of boxing back to your grandfather, Carlos. Why is that? You know, it's the first sport I remember watching. You know, when I was a kid, I remember watching it with my, with my grandfather, Carlos, um, you know, ESPN Tuesday Night Fights, Friday Night Fights, any of the HBO telecasts, um, all the big fights, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., Oscar De La Hoya. Those are the guys that I can vividly remember watching uh, and the first athletes I've ever watched on TV. Who was your grandfather's favorite boxer? Uh, Alexis Arguello. That was, his, that was his champion of champions, the guy he always spoke about. Um, but he also really loved, like, a new, uh, during that time with Oscar De La Hoya. Nice. Uh, two, two pretty good boxes for sure. I have to yeah. imagine, though, it's a tough choice leaving something that you excelled at and were a world champion for another sport. What went into the decision-making process to get into boxing? You know, I always wanted to be a boxer. You know, even when I was kickboxing, um, I had always had dreams and aspirations to go into boxing and become a world boxing champion. Um, you know, my grandfather was my hero growing up, and he always looked at these, these champions as, as his heroes, so... You know, of course, being a young kid, I wanted to be my hero's hero. So uh, for me, it was it was it was a no-brainer. You know, uh, boxing was 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 where my my passion, where my heart lied, and uh, where you know I, I saw myself as a, as a child growing up. 
You know, what makes you so unusual is you had the other option. You went, you were very good at your studies. You went, you went to college. You majored in clinical nutrition. You got a master's degree and even thought about going to med school. How tough was it to balance, and where were the tugs and pulls coming over, forgetting boxing and going towards a medical career when you decided to put that aside a little bit and concentrate on boxing? You know, it was a constant struggle. You know, it was... It was do I quit school and, and do boxing full time? Do I, you know, do I do I quit boxing and and, and go to my studies? Um, you know, it was, it, it was nonstop. You know, boxing is a is a very tough business, and there was there was plenty of times where I wanted to kind of pack it in and say, oh, you know what, I got this backup plan, I, I can do it that way. But um, you know, I just I, I always had that 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 burning desire. I mean, I always knew that I had what it took to to be champion, so I stuck it out. Yeah, so you turn pro 2008. You start your career off with a record of 18 and 0, eight knockouts. Most fights you move between light welterweight and welterweight. Your first nine fights are in smaller venues like Avador, uh, Aviator Sports Complex in Brooklyn, Huntington Hilton Hotel in Melville, the the Platte Deutsch had Park. Had a thousand people in the ballroom. No, I understood, but a, but right, but the yeah. the Platte Deutsch Park Restaurant, Franklin Square, Westbury Music Fair, Westbury PAL Gym in Yonkers. Then on January 23rd, 2010, you get to fight at Madison Square. Garden. Given MSG's history of boxing, did fighting there mean anything more to you? And what are the major differences when you move from those previous venues to Madison Square Garden? Are there differences in, in just you know everything about it? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that, that was a dream come true, and I, I still I still think about that night. I still talk about that night. Um, you know, that was that was my first real step up um, in venue, and I mean, it, it, it means the world to me even to this day. You know, I remember how much, how excited my fans were, my friends, my family. Uh, we had a tremendous crowd that night in, in the theater, and um, you know, we all met outside after the fight. And it's just, it's, it just was one of the memorable moments of my career for sure. February fourteenth, two thousand fourteen, another memorable moment in your career. You win a unanimous ten round decision over Emmanuel Taylor, who at the time was an IBM, IBF number four ranked contender at the Paramount Theater right here in Huntington. Uh, that win allows you to enter the world rankings. So I have to imagine accomplishing that at the Paramount was something pretty special. But what are the major differences once you become a ranked fighter as opposed to an unranked fighter? You know, at that point, you know, being undefeated and being a ranked guy, um, you know, there was, there was nothing but up. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was a skyrocket to, to the top at that point. You know, I went right from there right to, right to a title fight, um, right to the Pacquiao fight. You know, right to the mirror fight. It was just, it was just up, 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 and up. And that's how boxing is. As long as you keep winning, um, you know, it, it's exponential to rise. And that was, that was really the, the, the first major step for me um, in my career. And, and you know, I've never looked back since. Well, as you said, that ranking means everything. It opens the doors for you as four months later you get the chance of a lifetime where you face the newly crowned WBO junior welterweight champion Ruslan Protoventkov headlining on HBO's Boxing After Dark card at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. That fight did not start out well for you as you were dropped and hurt twice with your eyes swelling so badly, pretty much blinding you for the rest of the fight. So my question for you is... Really, no amount of sparring training can prepare you for that moment when I'm sure parts of you want to give in and quit. What did you find about yourself in that bout that gave you the ability to rally back and to continue to box using your jab to keep him back and pushing the bout to the full 12 rounds to win a split decision to become the champion? And what were the conversations between rounds in the corner about that to keep you going? Yeah, you know, that, that night, um, no, I, just, I wasn't losing that fight. I was going into that ring to become world champion. Um, you know, we, we had prepared properly. I was 100% focused, 100% ready, physically, mentally, psychologically. 
um, emotionally, there was just there was, there was no turning back at that point. Um, I had burned all my bridges to get to that point, and um, you know it didn't matter how badly the fight started because it literally was the worst possible way it could start in the first round. Uh, like you said, two knockdowns, I orbital broken, nose broken, um, in a deep hole against an absolute killer. Um, but it just it didn't matter. You know, I went back to the corner. I stayed very calm. Um, my team was incredible that night. You know, they, they they read in my my reactions that that I was still in there and I was ready to go and I still had the will to win. Um, you know, the, the New York State Athletic Commission, the doctors were were, were great to realize that as well. Um, I was arguing with them in the corner. I'm like, listen, I'm winning the fight. The guy's not hitting me anymore. Um, don't stop the fight. Give me another round. And I think it was pretty much from the sixth round on. They were like, all right, one more round, one more round. Let's see how you go. And every round after that. All right, kid, we're going to stop this fight. One more round. I said, listen, I'm winning this fight. If you see me in the corner and I don't want to fight, stop the fight. I want to fight. Um, and, you know, they, they let the fight go on, and, and, and thank God and it, it, it went the way it did. You know, there, there are fighters and there are boxers. Hmm. And, and, and there are fighters who have big punch and rely on the one big punch to end a fight. You're a boxer. How much you don't have the big punch? So how much different and how much harder is it to win a fight knowing you're going to have to stick in, that, especially when you're fighting a, a big puncher, uh, to win the fight and you have a plan and you have to try and make sure you stick to that plan? Yeah, it's just it's, it's six and one, half a dozen the other. You know, I, I look at it like that puncher has to deal with me all night. Um, I'm not thinking like, oh, man, i got to go all night. I'm thinking this guy's trapped in this ring with me. Um, if, if, if he can match me for, for, for skills and strength and wit, Okay, then then let's go. That's that's where that's where I draw the line. You know that that was a night where I fought an absolute puncher when it came to Kavanikov. Um, you know I tried to, I matched him skill and strength. And at the end of the night, I was the fresher guy. I was the smarter guy. I was the guy who wanted to be there. Um, looking at those last couple rounds, he was the guy who wanted that that fight. So I look at it like these guys get trapped in the ring with me, not the other way around. You know, from that fight, you then take on the legendary boxer Manny Pacquiao on November 23rd, 2014 in China for the WBO welterweight title. It was your first fight outside of the state of New York. You know, forget about the country. Uh, So I have to imagine, A, that's a huge culture shock. But interestingly enough, when you agree to that fight, you're also stripped of your belt at 140, not because anyone beat you, but because WBO rules mandate a fighter of theirs can only hold belts in one division at a time. So what was the motivation for you to take that fight when you really, if you look at it, had everything to lose? You know, and the, the one thing is, you know, to, to beat Pacquiao, you have, have something to gain, and obviously the purse must have been bigger than anything else. But what went into your choice for that fight? Well, first of all, I was, I was actually promised that I would not be stripped of my title. And that was something that got changed along the way. Oh. But that's, that's a whole other thing. Wow. Um, but, no, it was an opportunity to fight an absolute legend, you know, and, um, the, you know, you, those opportunities don't come along often. And opportunities in general don't come along that much in boxing. So whenever they present, presented themselves to me, I've always jumped at them. You know, that was, that was a chance of a lifetime. Um, you know, they asked me in the press, post-fight press conference with Veronica fight where my eye was still shut if I was fighting any pack. I said, absolutely. They said, did you fight him in China? I said, sure. I didn't realize that I was actually... <laughs> signing a contract at that point, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, it was it was it was an incredible opportunity um, and one that I, I I don't look back on. So, how different is is the build up on the fight? And how does it distract you from your training when you're fighting something somebody like Pacquiao and it's you know on a much bigger stage, much more publicity? Oh, it was absolutely insane. I mean, I, people ask me about the Pacquiao fight, and I say, no, no, no it wasn't a fight; it was an experience <laughs> because the press tour was was seven weeks long and we traveled and we were all over the country um you know the, the training camp was two months long and i lived in las vegas in a hotel in the guts of a hotel um 
and it was absolutely nuts. I mean, I had cameras around me at all times, um, headlining the papers and the news and the local news and flying to different cities and having scores of fans coming to watch me train, uh, flying across the world and getting mobbed everywhere I went. Uh, it was absolutely a culture shock is, is an understatement to, to, to what that experience actually was. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, that's, those are the things you dream about as a kid. You know, it's, it's amazing when they, when they hit you um, because it is like you're getting hit. You know, it's like you're fighting 12 rounds before the 12 rounds even starts. <laughs> you know, we've had this conversation over the last uh, 12 years. AJ and I have been lucky to have so many great boxers, whether it be Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, uh, you know, uh, let's see, I mean, there's just so many of them. But uh, Jake LaMotta. And, and, and we've talked about that first loss. And what that does to a fighter's psyche. Like, for me, I don't think Mike Tyson was ever the same boxer after someone actually hurt him in the Buster Douglas fight. You know, does the fact that an absolute legend is the guy who stopped your undefeated streak change it a little bit? Or does that first defeat change you forever as a boxer? You know, I think, I think every contest changes you, whether it's a win or a loss. Um, and they change you in different ways. And I think that, you know, that, that fight, like I said, that experience definitely changed me in a way. Um, it, it definitely lit a fire in me. I wanted to get right back with the big fights, and, um, and that's what I did. You know, I, most guys, at the first loss will come and they'll take an easy touch. I did the exact opposite. I, I ran up the mountain even more and looked for another, another legend in the sport. Um, you know, it's, just, it's all in how you take that defeat and what, what it means to you. Um, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what people think of you. It only matters what matters what's inside the fighter themselves. So right now, you're 21 and three, eight knockouts. You're 34 years old. You have not boxed for more than two and a half years, but you stayed involved in the sport by working with fighters as a nutritionist, including with middleweight contender Daniel Jacobs. Why are you making a comeback now? And why in the junior welterweight division, where you have never ever lost a fight? Um, well. I don't necessarily consider it so much a comeback, even though you know that's what it's being billed. Because I never really left the sport. Um, I've always I've always planned on getting back in the ring. Things just took longer than I expected, um, but I think it worked out for, for for all the right reasons. This is the perfect time to come back in the sport. The landscape of 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 the sport and of my particular division um, is perfect for 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 me to come right back now. So um, and and you, you you said it exactly. I'm undefeated at 140. You know this, yeah. is, this is at a weight class that that my style and and my physique is better served. So I want to go back and, and regain my titles. Um, this comeback is about being a world champion. Again. This is not about making money. This is not about getting wins. This is about being a world champion. Ha- um, ha- mm. <clears throat> having having boxed at the Barclays, having boxed Pacquiao in Macau. Madison is, is Square it Garden. Madison Square Garden? Is it hard to go back to the Paramount? No, I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, you know, it, it's 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 something that I spoke to the owners of the Paramount about. They were like, "Chris, no matter what happens, we know you're gone, going on to bigger and better things. No matter what happens, please promise us that you'll come back and do one more at least." Um, you know, and I shook their hand. I said, "Oh no, of course I will." Um, you know, and I'm back, and, and you know that's not the reason I'm back, but at the same time. Um, like I said, you know, the goal hasn't changed. I'm going out here to be a world champion. This is where it started last time. Um, I know how my rise went. You know, I've been always very organic and grassroots with my fans, um, and this is just a way for me to kind of 
rehash all that and, and, and get the momentum going again. It's interesting that you said that, AJ, because when you said, you know, how difficult is it yeah. going back, and it's also interesting, the timing, because you know, this fight is the same week that, you know, Creed Two comes out. Yeah. And if you remembered, I, I believe it was, Ro- was it Rocky Three where Apollo takes, you know, Rocky back to his roots, like where he first started yeah. out. So mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it, I think it's okay. a pretty cool move, you know, going back to your roots. Um, I've heard you talk about this in the past that there's so much more to boxing than just talent. People always look at speed and power, but you also talk about how guys train and is their training consistent from fight to fight? Do they put, they put in the same effort? Are they as precise? Having been able to take this little breather from the sport and now get back. Have you found that your training might have even stepped up a level because of that time off? Uh, absolutely, o- only because I've gotten smarter. Um, you know, I-, I still have that drive. I've always been a guy who's been a workhorse in the gym and, and-, and a real gym rat. Um, you know, my fitness has actually stayed up. You know, between between the you know, the layoff, um, I had a couple injuries to deal with. That's all well taken care of. But I'm just I'm just smarter now. You know, I've seen other camps. I've seen how other great champions do what they do. And I've adopted from, from everywhere that I've been, everything that I've seen, everybody that I've talked to, everybody that I've studied. Um, and it's just, I think it's going to make me an even better and smarter fighter. You know, it's interesting because AJ and I love boxing. I, I mean, we never got into MMA. Yeah. Not to say there's no. anything, you know, but it's it just, it's not our thing. We're older guys, and, and we've always loved boxing. And we've actually been to the Paramount. Been to the Paramount. Um, you know, for um, guys that, you know, young kids who might have not seen you fight, you know, the two and a half years has been a while, and, you know, millennials and, yeah. and all that, you know, their attention span, two and a half years is a century to them. But what, if they were coming out to the Paramount on November 30th to see Chris Algieri fight, what could they expect from you? You know, I was, uh, at the height of my career, I was known as a master boxer, and that's, that's what I go out there. I'm out there playing chess. Boxing, to me, is the fastest chess game in the world. You've got to make, you've got to make moves. You've got to anticipate your opponent's moves. Um, you've got to think and, and, and parry and move and think and think fast. Counter, um, you know, boxing is the most beautiful sport in the world. And what I do is a beautiful thing. I'm out there and I'm boxing and I'm thinking. And you can see me thinking. You can see me reacting. You can see me moving. You can see me setting things up. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what you can come to, to see when you, when you come to see a Chris Algieri fight. You're looking at, at master boxing. You're looking at fast chest. So what can you tell us about your opponent? Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez. You know, he's a super tough uh, guy from, from Texas. Um, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He's done a lot of rounds. Um, you know, he's never been stopped. He comes, he brings it. And uh, you can definitely expect this guy to come and, and, and bring as much heat as he can, and he's here to win. So how much does your experience as a nutritionist play into that chest match and the preparation and also the healing from a, from a boxing match? Uh, I think it's huge. You know, I think it's huge. I think it's, it's actually helped me throughout my entire career. Um, I came to the sport late. I had no amateur boxing experience whatsoever. I just knew that I needed to be fitter. Um, I needed to be bigger, stronger, faster than the guys that I was fighting. And uh, nutrition was kind of like my way to do that. And by the time I made it to the high end, you know, the elite level class where everybody's, you know, big and cuts a lot of weight, um, you know, my, my, my skills and my skill set had, had adapted to that, that level. So it worked that well. It's a it's a truly a great month for Long Island boxers because our friend Cletus Selden makes his yeah. comeback after his surgery this month, 
And then you have Chris making his comeback. He's not calling it a comeback because he never really <laughs> left the sport, but his time off from the ring. So, Chris, we wish you the, the best of luck. Um, like we said, we're huge boxing fans, huge fan of yours. We really appreciate you coming on tonight, and we look forward to uh, a victory on November 30th. Thank you guys so much. It's a real pleasure to be on here. I appreciate all the support. And uh, November 30th is going to be a great night. You got it. Go out to the Paramount to check out Chris Algeri, former WBO champion and hopefully future WBO champion out at the Paramount, the pride of Huntington.